Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Jesus, healing in the name of Jesus, deliverance in the name of Jesus, there's peace in the name of Jesus, I find joy in the name of Jesus, there's hope in the name of Jesus, my help is in the name of Jesus, my strength is in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 righteousness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, we lift up that great name. We lift up that great name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, the Holy Ghost is so rich and so strong in this house today God is moving people receiving the Holy Ghost lives are being changed miracles are happening in this place I believe that we're on the verge I believe we're beginning to see kind of the foreshadowing of, of what God is going to do in this last hour there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit there's going to be miracles, signs and wonders there's going to be healing and deliverance hallelujah thank you Jesus Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The prophet spoke of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost even before the Holy Ghost had been poured out. And the prophet spoke and said, there's going to be a former rain and there's going to be a latter rain. There's going to be a beginning and there's going to be an ending. And the prophet, again, before the Holy Ghost was even poured out, said the latter is going to be greater than the former. I believe on the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, the former rain began to fall in an upper room, and that former rain began to fall, and within days, thousands had received the Holy Ghost. But I believe we're about to see the latter rain in this hour. I think we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost greater than what they saw in the upper room. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what family background you might come from. The Holy Ghost is for you. Amen. 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 If we could turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. So thankful for what God is doing today. I like it when God moves and it's you can tell it's God. It, there's no fingerprints on it. It's nothing we did. It's just God moving. And what God did in this altar call today, what God did around this altar and throughout the building just a moment ago, there's no man fingerprints on it. It was 100% God working. 
And God's not finished. There are some of you that are here today and you think you just stopped by because somebody invited you. You think you just came because it was a good thing to do on a Sunday morning. And I believe it's divine appointment. You're in the building today because God wants to do some miraculous things in your life if you let him. Everybody say, if I let him. If, we, if we'll let him. Amen. Amen. I also know I do want to give honor to Brother Herbie. Where are you at, Herbie? There he is. Herbie's back on spring break from Indiana Bible College. We're proud of Herbie and what God's doing in his life. Amen. And I know next week we're going to have a group from Indiana Bible College. They're going to be with us, and they're going to be leading us in worship. And also Brother Galleon, who is the, I think, what is he, the president now or the vice president of the school, is going to be preaching for us next Sunday. We're going to be blessed. Amen. I'm looking forward to next Sunday already. Amen. But I don't want to get too excited about next Sunday when we still got this Sunday. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in the first verse. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Amen. That's all I'm going to read in your standing. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. Amen. Eli, we also want to welcome Eli. He's here visiting from Indiana. Amen. We're so glad to have him here with us today. Amen. Amen. On the 23rd of April, 1985, the marketing team at Coca-Cola put forth a press release that would later be recognized as one of the most memorable marketing blunders of all time. Over the previous 15 years, the company's flagship product, the cola beverage, what we simply know as Coca-Cola, had been gradually and continuously slipping in its com competition with its primary competitor and also in consumer preference. Their primary competitor, Pepsi, had recently struck a $5 million deal with Michael Jackson, and all of the key indicators for Coke were headed in the wrong direction. And so the announcement that was made on the 23rd of April, 1985, seemed to be a no-brainer. They thought things are headed in the wrong direction. There's really nobody that's loyal to our brand any longer, and so we've got to change things up. They thought that this announcement would be received with enthusiasm. They announced that after a 99-year formula of Coca-Cola, they announced that they were changing the formula. But what they did not anticipate was the reaction that would come. That still 35 years later, it leads to a choice that it is still today called a spectacular failure. They say in the history of marketing, there's never been a greater outcry than the announcement that was made in 1985 by Coca-Cola. The outcry of consumers was incredible. The company's hotlines were jam-packed with callers. Their offices were flooded with calls of angry customers. Before this announcement, it was, a, it was thought to be outrageous to get 400 calls a day. But now their hotline was getting bombarded with as much as 1,500 calls a day. The phone lines were tied up. 
You would wait for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours to talk to somebody. One customer was so angry about the announcement that he invested $30,000 of his money to start a movement to convince Coca-Cola to revive their original formula. Time Magazine, seeing the incredible sacrifice that this man made, they traveled to where he was. And as they began to interview him, his passion began to come forth. His question was simply this, how could they do this to me? They were guarding my sacred trust in them. He said, they have taken away my freedom of choice. He summed it up by saying, it's un-American. While the marketing campaign and the new recipe failed, and just 79 days later, Coca-Cola reintroduced what they would call Coca-Cola Classic. While their marketing pitch might have failed, what it did do and what it was effective at doing is it reawakened an awareness of an appreciation for the original formula. A formula that was already in place and many that were drinkers of Coca-Cola they didn't realize what they had until it was gone. And that marketing campaign awakened within those followers of that company uh, a realization that the, there's nothing like the real thing. You can't, you can't beat the real thing. Amen. They wanted the original formula. A formula is simply an established way of doing things in order to get a predictable result. It's, an, it's a recipe. It's if you do this, that, and then you're going to get the other. And can I tell you today that the Bible, the Word of God, is filled with God-established and ordained formulas. And much like the constituency that made up the following of Coca-Cola, I believe in the church today we need a reawakening of the appreciation for the original formula. I think the church has kind of fallen asleep. And instead of the original formula, we've tried to manufacture a move of God. And instead of what it takes for God to move in our presence, we've tried to entertain our way into a move of God. But I believe it's awakening within the church today and appreciation for the original formula. Throughout this book, there are formulas. There is a God-given formula for how a nation receives healing. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, here's the formula, will humble themselves. If they will pray, if they will seek my face, and if they will turn from their wicked ways, then God said, I'm going to give you some Coca-Cola Classic, and I'm going to heal your land. It didn't say anything if you elect. It didn't say anything about if you elect the right candidate. If you said, if you humble yourself, if you pray, if you seek my face, and if you turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. I wonder if anybody appreciates the original formula. We need the original formula. We need God to heal our land.
This book gives the original formula for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it doesn't matter. The, a, formula, a formula simply is, is it's a guarantee that if you put these ingredients in, you're going to get this output. And I'm so glad on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up, he declared the formula for the outpouring of the Spirit. And when he got done, he said, this promise is for the Jew, it's for the Greek, it's for the white, it's for the black, it's for the brown, it's for the yellow, it's for the young, it's for the old, it's for the rich, it's for the poor, it's for everybody who believes. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I wonder, does anybody still appreciate the original formula? It's not for 2,000 years ago. It's for today. It's not for 200 years from now. It's for right now. It's for everybody in this building. Say, well, there's no way God could fill me with the Holy Ghost. There, there, there is a way. There's a formula. All you got to do is repent of your sins. All you got to do is be willing to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says the formula will produce the result that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. Brother Roberts has been teaching on the formula of the blessed, the Beatitudes. Brother Roberts has been teaching that, and I could go on. I could go on. There are so many formulas within this book that are proven formulas. But I want to focus for a few minutes this morning on God's formula for creation. Amen. God's method for making something new. God's method for creating something out of nothing. God's formula for taking chaos and void and turning it into beauty and joy. I'm so glad that the prophet, when the prophet wrote and said, he'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll give you joy for mourning. Amen. That prophet was speaking of the formula. There is a formula for how God creates. And you might be in the middle of an ugly situation today, but I've come to tell you there is a formula that God will create beauty you might have walked in here today morning but there is a formula for joy you might have come in here today dealing with sorrow but there is a formula for gladness God produced and represented and presented this formula for creation. Today we stand, it's been thousands of years since the Almighty, all by himself, spoke into darkness and created the heavens and the earth. And today I stand to remind us of the formula of God's creation. In a world today that is crazed with new and improved. Amen. We want 2.0 and 3.0. We want updates. We want innovation. We want new brand launches. But I want to remind you of the power of God's original formula of creation. While we tend to look for the easier, 
and more convenient methods of producing something new in our lives. Amen. We, we, we want to look for a, some new relationship to give us that new, that fresh start. But I want to tell you that God's formula for creation still works. All the way back in the very first three verses of the book of Genesis chapter 1, God revealed his formula for creation. Many, if not most, and I would say by far the majority of theologians and commentaries agree that Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is kind of a, kind of a, a summary of the, the verses that will ensue after it. And it, it is a declaration of the ensuing verses, or it's the declaration while the ensuing verses are the explanation. If I could, I don't know if I'm confused you, but I, I confused myself a little bit with that one. So what, what I'm saying is verse 1 says God created. And then verse 2 and on tell us how God created and what God created. So verse 1 is telling us that God created and in the remainder of the chapter give us the details describing how and what God created. If I could present this formula from Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 3 through this equation, creation equals God moved plus God said. That is the formula for God's creation. God moves and God says the result is God creates every time. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care if you're in a fiery furnace or a lion's den. I don't care if you're in the first in the New Testament church or the Old Testament tabernacle. It's always the same. First God moves, secondly God speaks, and the result is God creates. And all of these thousands of years later, the formula still works. When God moves and when God speaks, the result is God creates. If you're here and you need a new life, the formula works. If you're here today and you need a fresh start, the formula works. God moves and God speaks and God creates something new. But with every formula, there is a process that has to be followed. You don't just put things wherever you want them and what order you want them. you got to follow the recipe. And the move of God always precedes the voice of God. I, I'm not a, a cook. I'm not a chef. I'm, my skills come in after the meal has been created. That's where my skills come into play. And, and you will meet few, few like unto me on that side of it. Ain't too many people that can eat a meal the way that I can. It's my gifting. God has gifted me with that. But I have cooked a few things, and I know this, that I know boiling rice, make, making some rice, you know, one of my favorite snacks is rice with some sugar and cinnamon on it with a little bit of milk. Amen. I, it's not fancy, but it does the trick. So I boiled rice a few times, and I know it's two ingredients, maybe three, maybe three. Water, rice, and maybe a touch of salt. But, but it matters what order you put them in. You can't just put the rice in, turn the heat on high, and later add the water. you gotta add, You got to put the water in first, and when the water gets to boiling, then you put the rice in. It matters the order. And in God's formula of creation, the order that it goes in matters. And the order is this. First of all, God moves. The move of God will always precede the voice of God. 
Verse 2, what did God do? First he moved. And then after God moved, verse 3 said, then God spoke. And some of you in the building are waiting God to speak, but you're not letting God move. Pastor, I need a word from God. Then get up out of your seat and let God move. If you need a word for your marriage, then you need to let God move in your marriage. If you need God to speak, you've got to let God move. I was watching Brother Jeff Arnold a few years ago preaching at a conference. Some of you are saying that because you've heard Brother Arnold. He's one of the greatest. And he told that conference that in prayer God had spoken a word to him for that conference and for the church at at large. And he simply said this, if you don't let me move, then I will not speak. If you don't let me move then I will not, and I don't care if you go to a church where God moves. If you walk into a church where God moves, it does not guarantee he's going to speak into your world. It is dependent upon you allowing God to move in your life. And let me tell you, one of the main differences between the Pentecostal apostolic church and the rest of the religious world, it's not doctrine. It's not that we dress funny. It's not those things. Yes, they might be peculiar, but I'm going to tell you the main difference is when you walk into an apostolic church, we let God move. We let God, in fact, our number one priority in this building today is God, we want you to move. If the preacher never gets to preach, it's all right just as long as you move. We wanted to move on the pulpit. We wanted to move on the platform. We wanted to move on the back row. And when we let God move, God begins to speak to us. He begins to deal with us. He begins to change some things in our lives. But it all starts with God moving. So I'm here today to remind this church that we must continue to put a premium on the move of God. Don't let us become like that Coca-Cola crowd that did not realize the original formula until it was gone. I I don't want to be that church that one day wakes up and says, man, I sure wish God was talking. I sure wish I could hear from heaven. I sure wish God would speak to our preacher. I don't want to one day wake up and wish I had it. Every time we come together, we must put a premium on the move of God. Letting God move must be our top priority, not four songs in a sermon. Not get me out of here by 1 o'clock so I can be at my table at Longhorn by 1.30. So I can be in bed enjoying my Sunday nap by 3 o'clock. I say no to all of that. I say I want to move to God. 
If I need to be in the building still by 3 o'clock, it's all right as long as God is moving. Because if God will move, then God will speak. And there is a difference. There is a difference between worship that engages emotion. I've been around a lot of different worship, and I know there's a difference. There are people that have honed their skill. They have practiced so much that they know how to play the right notes and sing it at the right pitch and the right speed in order to engage your emotion. And I believe there's room for that. But there is a difference between worship that just engages emotion and worship that engages a move of God. There's a difference. There is a difference. The woman with the issue of blood, she was not the only person that touched Jesus. But there was something about the way she touched Jesus. There was something different about the way she touched him that caused Jesus to stop and say, "Who?" there's a difference in worshiping for a move of God and worshiping for emotion. The ten lepers, there was something different about the one that came back and the nine others. There is a difference. Zacchaeus was not the only one that showed up to see Jesus, but he was the only one that was willing to climb a tree. The woman in Matthew chapter 26 of whom Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this woman will be preached about. She was not the only person in Simon's house that day, but she was the only one that was willing to break the alabaster box. I don't know about you, but I did not come today. I didn't come to worship so you can say I look cute. I didn't come to worship today so you could look at me and say, oh, look at at that pastor. I didn't come for any of that. I came to worship for one reason. I need Jesus to move. I didn't come to get my neighbor to move. I didn't come to get the preacher to move. I didn't come to get the choir to move. I came to get Jesus to move. I wish somebody forget about your neighbor right now and you give up some praise that it loses God to move in your situation. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care how you look at me. I don't care how you talk about me. I've got to hear from heaven. That's it. Somebody's getting loose in the house. God is moving. He inhabits the praise of his people. Move, Jesus. Move in this place. Move in this house. Some of you got a bad doctor's report this week. You need God to move. Some of you, your marriages are in trouble. You need God to move. Come on, there's there's others around you. Some of them aren't willing to break the box, though. Somebody brought their alabaster box to church this morning. Somebody's willing to do whatever it takes. For God to move. Come on, break the box. Break the box. Break the box. 
Come on, what do I mean by break the box? I mean get beyond your ordinary. Get beyond your personality type. Get beyond what's comfortable to you. Listen, some of you are tapping into it right now, and God is beginning to move. God is beginning to move just like he did back in Genesis chapter 1. God is moving, and when God begins to move, get ready, because God is about to speak. Come on. I want to be like that blind man right now. Hey, Jesus, don't pass me by. Jesus, don't pass me by. Well, what are they going to think? They said, Bartimaeus, shut up and sit down. Bartimaeus, you need to quiet down. You're making too much noise. Your neighbor right now might wish you'd sit down and shut up, but I wish you'd get louder. I wish you'd say like Bartimaeus. If you think that was loud, wait until this one. Jesus! Move. Move in this place. Move in our families. Move upon our children. Move upon our teenagers. Come on, somebody. He's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. Your past will not keep God from moving. Your future will not keep God from moving. Your present will not keep God from moving. It's only your will. Somebody wave a hand. Jesus, I need you to move. Jesus, I need you to move. I need that creative formula of God. I need that creative formula of God, that same God who back in Genesis chapter 1 began to move. Hallelujah, God, we need you to move in this building. Lord, there's people with cancer in their bodies. There's people whose marriages are being destroyed. There's people whose children are being destroyed. We need you to move. Come on, that's it. He's moving right now. He's moving in this place. He's moving all throughout this house. He's moving on whosoever will. Everybody in this building, I don't care if you're Pentecostal Catholic. I don't care if you're Baptist Protestant. I don't care if you're atheist. If you'll open your mouth and give God praise, he will move. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let's just give God some praise throughout this building. God is moving. Come on, Lord, every cancer in this building, we ask you to move right now. Hallelujah, God, every circumstance of sickness in this house. Lord, I'm asking you, if you're sick in your body right now, I'm asking you to give God praise. And I'm asking the Holy Ghost to begin to move throughout this building. I don't know what the doctor told you this week, but my God can move.
Come on, parents, you've been praying for your babies. You've been praying for your children. I'm glad. Keep on praying. But I want to pray right now that God would move in your home. I want to pray right now that God would move in your finances. I want to pray that God would move on your children. Come on, woman, with the issue of blood. You got to get to the place where you don't care what the crowd thinks about you. You got to get to the place where you don't care what direction the crowd is moving in. Whatever I got to do to get to Jesus. Whatever I got to do to get a hold of Jesus. Come on, there's healing in this house right now. How do I know? Because the healer is in the house. If you need healing, come on, raise your hands right now and give God praise. Lord, I'm asking you right now to do a work in this building. God, take the hands of man off of it. We don't want our fingerprints on it, but we want the fingerprint of God upon it. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that's a Pentecostal thing. That's not a Pentecostal thing. That's a Bible thing. And it's for you. After that, you have received the Holy Ghost. You will be endued with power from on high. You'll be given power to become his witnesses. Hallelujah. I'm not going to try to preach a sermon, but I'm just going to tell you this right now, that after, after God moves, he speaks. Some of you came today hoping that the preacher had a word for you. I can do one better than that. God has a word for you. We get disappointed because we come to church and the preacher didn't preach exactly to what we're going through. That's like showing up to somebody else's house and expecting them to cook a meal for you. They didn't invite you there. You just want to show up and they do all the work. Listen, God can prepare. God can prepare a word right now for you. God can speak exactly to where you're at. And once you allow God to move, God will begin to speak. And right now, Lord, by the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to speak throughout this building. I pray right now, Lord, that your voice, oh God, would, would resonate like the sound of many waters. The voice of God spoke and the worlds were created. The voice of God spoke out of a burning bush and a fugitive became a deliverer. The voice of God spoke on the road to Damascus and a persecutor became a preacher. The voice of God spoke outside the tomb of Lazarus and the dead was resurrected. 
The voice of God spoke in the temple, and a woman caught in the act of adultery, deserving the penalty of death, was given the gift of grace. The voice of God spoke at a well in Samaria, and a woman looking for love in all the wrong places found hope in the voice of Jesus Christ. The voice of God spoke, and a dishonest tax collector was transformed into a man of integrity. When God speaks, there is transformation. When God speaks, there is healing. When God speaks, there is deliverance. When God speaks, there is breakthrough. Everybody in this building that you need God to speak into your life, I just want you to raise your hands right now. I don't know what you need today. Some of you, I know you need healing. Some of you, I know you need a deliverance. You need a breakthrough. I know some of you, I know what you need. Others, I have no idea what you need. But I know whatever it is that you need, it's in Jesus Christ today. And I'm going to tell you the formula still works. God begins to move, and when God moves, he begins to speak. And when God moves and God speaks, something is created. Oh, hallelujah, almighty God, like you did in the, Lord, like you did in the beginning before man was, you begin to move in the void and the chaos, you begin to move and then you open your mouth and you begin to speak, and mighty God, as you spoke, the worlds were framed, and I believe in this building right now, Lord, you are beginning to speak, and broken hearts are being made whole, broken lives are being transformed, sick bodies are being made whole, minds that are tormented are being given peace. Hallelujah. I want to invite somebody, anybody that would come to this altar right now. You need God to move, you need God to speak. Maybe you've lost your appreciation for that original formula. And you've been trying to duplicate it through the things of this world, a better job, a pay raise, an increase, a different relationship. You, you've been trying to create a new formula. But what you're finding out is it doesn't bring satisfaction. What you're finding is it's empty in its promises. I want to remind you of a formula that's never lost its power, a formula that never stopped working. You're here today. If you need to press up into the pulpit area, come on up. Come on. You're not going to scare me. Come on. As long as you don't try to take the mic from me, you can come on up. Come on up. I'm going to tell you, if you need God to move, you've got to make the first move. Well, in truth, he already made the first move. He went to Calvary. He made the first move. But you got to respond to that. It was when the prodigal son in the pig pen arose from his condition and said, I will arise and go back 
when he started down the pathway, Daddy was already watching. And Daddy came running to where he was because that son had responded to the Father's love. I'm going to tell you, if you want to open the doors for God, there's only one power in this, in this whole world that can stop God from moving. Only one. It's not governments. It's not money. It's not power. It's not military. It's not bombs. It's not nuclear weapons. Only one thing, and that is the will of a man. That's the only thing that can stop God from moving is your will. You can sit there right now and lock God up. Say, no, 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 you're not moving in my life today. You're not. I don't need God messing up. I don't need God messing with my life. I don't need, and you can lock God up. But everybody in this building right now, again, I don't care your religion. I'm not here today to argue denomination with you. It doesn't matter. Can I get an amen? It doesn't matter. I don't care. Call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. I, I, I mean, everybody today wants to identify. I don't identify as what you want to talking within denominations but if you will move God will move if you will move and come and say Lord I need you today Lord I want everything that you have for me I'm going to tell you God will begin to move in this place and what's going to happen is God's going to start moving in this altar and as God begins to move in this altar there are people right now that that don't have the Holy Ghost and you're going to open your mouth and you're going to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance there are people that have come to this altar right now and this week the doctor gave you a negative report This week, the doctor gave you a negative report. But I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to begin to move. And that tumor that the doctor showed you on the x-ray machine, God is going to take that tumor out of your body. All right. It's in your hands now. What will you do? Will you allow God to move? I want you to begin to worship him. I want you to begin to worship him. I want you to forget about your neighbor. We're not worshiping right now for crowd appeal. We're not worshiping for what our neighbors think. Right now we're worshiping for one reason, because I need God to move. I need God to move. I need God to move. Come on, just like you did back in Genesis chapter 1, I need you to move. Just like you did when that woman with the issue of blood grabbed the hold of the hem of your garment and you turned around and virtue came out. God, we need you to move in this place today. Listen, there's a time for you to pray for others, but right now I'm asking you to make this personal. I don't want you asking God, God, move on my neighbor. I want you to make this personal. God, I need you to move in my life. That's it, he's moving. Come on, the witness of the Holy Ghost is in this building. Come on, he was here just a few minutes ago in worship, and he's still here. He's moving. He he said in his word, I stand at the door and I knock if any man will open up. Hey, I'm here waiting for you, Jesus. I'm waiting for you. Oh, God, we're waiting on you. Lord, I'm not moving. Hey, I'm here waiting. I'm here waiting for you, Jesus.
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to 